Hey everyone, today's episode is a review of the Michael Jordan episode 3 and 4 Last Dance documentary that's been airing on ESPN. It's been absolutely fantastic. And for this episode, I got a first-time guest on the podcast, Manuel Brown. Now, Manny Brown is my guy. He's a part of the Dead End podcast family. He has his podcast, Any Given Sunday, which I have been on and had amazing, fun hip-hop and basketball conversations. So I'm very happy to bring him to the basketball side of the podcast. And I'm just excited to give you guys basketball content. I know I haven't given you much basketball content Um That's obviously in part because the season has been suspended or postponed as of right now, and we await for that. Um, But for now, I just wanted to give you some type of basketball content because, man, I have missed talking about basketball. I have missed the game. I have missed just everything about basketball. So I'm really, really happy to have some basketball conversation back in my life. I hope you guys are as well. Some quick housekeeping before this episode starts. So this is being uploaded on essentially Thursday morning, uh, late Wednesday night if you're on the West Coast here. And um, Friday, I will be recording and dropping a big-time hip-hop podcast. I'm very, very excited. Can't wait to get that for you. Uh, to put this in, in context, man, this is a this is a interview with a guest that I have a whole entire list of people I want to interview before I pass. And this man right here is number two on my list. That's how important this is. That's how monumental this is in the in my podcast. So very, very excited to get that to you. Um, I'll leave that a surprise when it's coming. But those of you that follow me probably have a good idea, a good, um, a good guess as to who this guest is. But I'm very, very excited to have him on the podcast. And I cannot wait to give that episode to you. Um, so stay on the lookout for that. Uh, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Real Chris Platty. That's the best way to keep up with the updates of this podcast. And also um, working on YouTube, working on YouTube very heavily. But the problem has been um, my camera is dead. And so I've been shooting from my phone, but I've been having problems transferring my iPhone files to my computer so I'm starting to, you know, figure out uh, what kind of other avenues I can explore to get content onto YouTube because I do want to, I do want to continue the YouTube space. I know I haven't been consistent or hyperly active on YouTube, but I do. Uh, I've been visioning and and planning and storyboarding just kind of how the YouTube channel differentiates from the podcast itself. So um, I think I finally figured that out, and now it's about executing it. And unfortunately, during these during these times at this particular moment, I can't really seem to find a way to get videos recorded and uploaded to YouTube. So I'm working on that, so stay tuned for that. Again, I'll be updated through Twitter, through Instagram, um, through Snapchat even. So be on the lookout for all, all three of those platforms. That's the best way to find the news there. And um, lastly, a uh, bracket. I got one more bracket coming. I just spoke to my graphic designer the other day. He's working on the final graphic, and it's going to be very fun. Can't wait to get that to you as well, so be on the lookout for that. But without further ado, man, let's get to some basketball talk. It's been far too long, and uh, I'm working on other ways to get you some more basketball content. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with my man, Manny Brown of Any Given Sunday Podcast. 
All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. I know you haven't heard that in a while. My name is Chris Platty. The NBA season has been has been postponed. It's been on hiatus. So this side of the podcast hasn't been as popping as the hip side hip hop side of the podcast, but coming to the show i'm very excited first time guest uh, i was a guest on his platform a couple months ago and this is a guy who's been a long time who's been a long time associate of mine through through the twitter sphere and now i'm very excited to have him on the podcast that is manuel brown podcaster and uh, host of the any given sunday podcast and blogger for breaks media how are you doing I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a uh, it's a pleasure. Finally, we get to do this, man. Been, I know. We've been, been kind of talking about it here and there for what six months or so, and yeah, like, easy gets in the way and that sort of thing. So glad that we uh, glad that it's a, you know glad that it's a COVID for us to get together. <laughs> yeah, man. Glad that it took a national <laughs> a, a national or global epidemic just to get us together. But no, seriously, we're not glad of the glo- <laughs> we're not glad that it's a global pandemic. We're just yeah. glad that we're finally able to connect. To be, to exactly. be clear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be clear. Um, but no, I had a lot of fun on your podcast, man. We had a we had some yeah, great awesome. t- some great talks, and uh, this has been a collaboration long in the works. So I'm glad to have have you on the podcast, and I strongly encourage my listeners to check out your podcast because you're also doing uh episode recaps of this jordan documentary series the last dance which is what we'll be getting into episodes three and four i have not listened to yours i know i told you that off air but mm-hmm. um i don't like to listen to other i don't like to listen to who i'm going to discuss with i don't like to kind of know their their mm-hmm. um their their opinions it's almost like i treat it like an album review you know i don't want to right. know absolutely i get yeah. it so without further ado man we're gonna see how we're gonna see how this goes we're gonna see how it, it, it flows here and so the two episodes in in this episode three and four were very much focused on two central characters that's dennis rodman and phil jackson episode three was the dennis rodman centric episode episode four mm-hmm. was the phil jackson episode so we'll start with the Dennis Rodman episode and how that tied into the Phil Phil episode. So um, I personally did not know, and I feel like a lot of people didn't know, about the epic Ro- Dennis Rodman vacation Vegas bender. <laughs> um, just because simply, again, I'm somebody who's watching this. I'm 24 years old, so I'm not around during the Jordan era. I'm just barely in nineteen ninety eight. I mean I'm three years old. So I'm just you Oh jeez. You're making me feel old, man. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, man. So like <laughs> so like obviously I know I know the big points. I know some of the through just being a student of the NBA, I know some of the stories, but this Rodman vacation drug bender in Vegas just absolutely threw me for a loop. Um how did how did you like the Rodman episode as a whole and did you actually know of that story coming into this episode so it's interesting you know so i i i did know of uh the the the, the vacation let's just put it that yeah. way uh, the, <laughs> the vegas vacation um uh, in the middle of the season um i did know about it so it's so a little bit of background on me i'm 33 years old so um you know in 1998 i'm 12 years old so you know you're when you're a kid it's like you're aware it's like you know i, I really feel like 10 to 12 that age range is when you really start becoming a sports fan when you start mm-hmm. taking it seriously you find your team you know you find the angle that you want to root for and your players etc and then you be you know you, you it's it's that age range where you kind of harbor your yeah your your visions as a sports fan right mm-hmm. so you know I, I growing up i'm a laker fan obviously for a little 
a little disclosure there, full disclosure there. I, I'm a Laker fan, so but of course, any kid who grew up in the '90s was a Michael Jordan fan. I mean, you just, I mean, Michael Jordan was everything. I mean, yeah. he was just literally a walking superhero, essentially. Um, so, uh, so just to kind of circle it back. So yeah, I, I'm aware, and I, I, I knew, I like, I remember Sports Center talking about it and things of that nature. But you know, when you're a kid, you're not really watching it mm-hmm. or, or following it like with, with with that adult sports fan lens yeah so as a kid you know so like I, I remember stories about it but i didn't really follow it like i would have now of course mm-hmm. so i so to answer your question i do remember it but not not as much so it was, it was actually good to kind of get some insight into what went down and kind of the particulars and and you know hearing the different comments from the different folks and the different anecdotes involved and and kind of the whole situation um and then as far as the episode in general um i enjoyed it um so i i sat on my podcast and 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 just kind of briefly um so i thought obviously the first two episodes um last week were home runs i thought they hit it out of the park they were 10 out of 10 Mm-hmm. For me, um, I thought they were just phenomenal. Um, this week's episodes, I wasn't as in love with. I, I didn't think they were bad episodes. I thought they were a good continuation and a good follow up. But compared to the peak of last week, I felt like these were these were good. Like I gave them seven out of ten for both okay. of them. Like I thought they were really good episodes. But I I kind of felt like after the peak of last week, it didn't. It, it you know. And I'm sure we'll get into more of the the critique, if, if any, that I have. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I thought that I thought that the Rodman segment was was insightful. Um, I I didn't really learn anything new specifically about mm-hmm. him that I didn't know, and and I think a lot of that is because he did he does have a thirty for thirty out that yeah. covers a lot of his life and his career and his struggles. So if you've watched that, um, this will not seem redundant, but kind of. This will mm-hmm. this first part of that of the first episode, the Dennis Rodman episode, will kind of seem like a maybe like a a, a a prologue of that or a summary of that. So, um, so I didn't really learn anything new. I actually found the Phil Jackson episode a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. um, than the Dennis Rodman, just because I I all the things that we learned from Dennis I already knew. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I feel a little bit the same. So I didn't know about the whole vacation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that. And I'm just thinking in my head, you know, as I'm watching, you know, God, how would this play out in the Twitter, in the Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the the thing about the thing about this episode was, you're right, you kind of hit the nail on the head here in that um, I felt like I knew most of Dennis's upbringing. And I thought that mm-hmm. they, they did an okay job with that because the 30 for 30 bad boys doc, which I of course, as a Pistons fan, watched that several times. I almost know it word for word, embarrassingly. But, you know, I I got a glimpse of Dennis Rodman, of his upbringing, of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I swear it was almost the same shots that were used in that doc. It was... And it, they probably were. And they it, probably were. Yeah. And um, like I remember the photo with him and his mom. Um, I mm-hmm. remember some of the, the some of the even like the clips of him playing early basketball were the exact same ones in the thirty for thirty for the bad boys. But so so that I can kind of see why you would you would scale this episode a little bit lower just because again it wasn't as it wasn't as new and as fresh as the first two episodes. Um, but I do think that. I did like that they that they did a very quick job of of telling who Dennis Rodman was at least like the childhood like like mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like it was just boom it was just here's the, here's this like short little stint like one two minutes tops this is his background 
and then and then you know and then it got into the whole stuff about you know the pistons and how uh and how you know he got traded because of the whole issue with the you know when he pulled up to the palace with the gun overnight Mm -hmm. and all of that which was also in the 30 for 30 for the bad boys so again so a lot of the stuff i knew but i thought i thought that the reason the episode was good was that number one it set up the second episode it 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 set up um it, it set up the second episode with with phil and about just it established these these episodes were the bad boy episodes you know this was that that yeah. was kind of the yeah. the center focus and um obviously as a piston fan i loved that you know never can get enough of that but also the fact that i think i think that what they did with it with uh kind of telling this telling the story in such a in, in such a strong in such a strong cohesive way like the way they set up the rodman was was with Scottie Pippen out with the injury, and then how Dennis Rodman yeah. ele- elevated his game. So I like that. I really, really love the way these episodes are being are being chronologically done. They don't look like they're chronologically done because they're jumping all over the timeline. But if you look right. at it, it's always through the context of the 1998 season. So it starts with. It starts with the summer of the '98 season when Phil Jackson's announced, or where it's announced that Phil Jackson's not going to be the coach next year, and then then it start then the Scotty episode uh, dives into Scotty because why Scotty's not starting the season with the team. Then the third episode is Rodman stepping up to the plate while Scotty's gone, and then Scotty coming back and how Rodman deals with that. And so again, it flashes back to the Rodman days, which takes you to the Bad Boy days, who are the the team that Jordan had to go over to the hump. So I really liked that. And I really liked how they finally, finally, finally got in depth with the Jordan rules, man. This is something that <laughs> yeah. is like yeah. basketball sacred talk. And so I was really glad about that. Um, so I wanted to just kind of ask you, I guess, uh, where was growing up in, in your time, obviously a Laker fan, I, I can imagine where you lie on the bad boys, but what's kind of your your thought on that and how do you think the bad boys were portrayed in this specific documentary as opposed to the other documentaries that have been done on the bad boys? Well, um, first to, to follow up and, and I just kind of want to reiterate, cause I know that on Twitter, I, I, some folks were kind of surprised that I wasn't as huge of a fan of this, of these particular episodes as I would refer to. And I'm not knocking these episodes. Like I mm-hmm. really enjoyed them. I really liked them. I just felt like, especially for me, the Dennis Rodman part, it, it just felt because there is, like you said, the bad boys documentary. And there's also a Dennis Rodman, mm-hmm. you know, 30 for 30. It's called, I think Rodman for better or for worse. Yeah, I think they did about I think it was like six months ago or a year yeah. ago. So it's fairly, fairly new. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of what I what I needed to learn from Dennis, I already learned in that documentary. So it kind of felt like redundant mm-hmm. when I when I watched it here. So I, I and my biggest critique, I think, was is I, I kind of want a little bit more Jordan. I kind of want a little bit more of his story and his timeline, but I understand what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to highlight the different characters, but the, the integral parts of those nineties bulls team, specifically that 98 team. So mm-hmm. I, I understand that I'm not, I'm not anti that. I just feel for me, it just didn't play the same that it would maybe for you or maybe for somebody else that didn't know that, that, that hasn't seen those documentaries mm-hmm. or doesn't know that much about Dennis Rodman. I did enjoy, um, going into the science of rebounding, you know, the, you know, studying yeah. the players, um, going into the different kind of, um, 
basically the art of rebounding. You know, and we yeah. basically kind of studied shot angles and 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 studied different players' shots metrics and like if they shoot it this way, it's going to go here. And, and just watching him watch tape um, was very very insightful. And I think that that's one of the things. And I talked about it on my show. I think that's one of the things that unfortunately is a victim of the narrative around Dennis Rodman, that he was obviously this crazy lunatic, this party animal. But I think that that narrative kind of gets in the way of how much of a smart, um, just methodic type of person that he was. I mean, you don't lead the Mm -hmm. league in rebounding seven straight years. You weren't a multiple time defensive player of the year, won championships in two different cities by not being a hard worker, but not being a student of the game. And I think that that part kind of gets underrated and yeah. kind of gets forgotten about because he is this kind of cult of personality. He is this kind of just seen as this rebel counterculture, just weirdo. Yeah, um, he's almost he's, summed he's, up as a hustler instead of like, right, a, right, instead of like an right. IQ player. Right, exactly. And and, and that, I feel like that's that's a little disappointing because I think mm-hmm. that if you actually got, it, got into studying Dennis Rodman and studying – you know, who he is and how much work he put in. And the documentary does a good job of like labeling that. And Jordan liked him. Jordan actually, it's, it's funny because it, it, you, you would think that Dennis would be the total, op, you know, would be the, the like the, the, the antithesis of Jordan in every way. Yeah. Right? And he is in essentially, right? But yeah. you would think that Jordan and him just would not mesh. And it's opposite. You know, you kind of got the feeling that Jordan liked, <laughs> really liked Dennis, got a kick out of him. But I think the biggest thing that Dennis or that Jordan loved about Dennis was that that work ethic, that grit, that toughness. That he understood that Dennis was an integral part of that team and appreciated that you know this guy may have his issues off the court, he may have his his you know demons or whatever, but you know he comes to play every night. He's prepared. I, I thought the biggest thing was them telling the story of the of running the. Uh, of doing the drill right and the mm-hmm. running exercise and obviously you know somebody starts in the front and they lead the run and then they call on the next guy and he runs up to the front or whatever so obviously jordan's you know and you guys have watched it obviously by now but you know telling the story of, of when dennis gets up to the front he just takes off running sprints yeah. off running. i mean that but to me that, that does a good job of highlighting that yeah dennis has all of these antics and the girlfriends and and all of that but at the end of the day this guy was a, a just a truly great basketball player in his own way Mm -hmm. um and he was just a hard worker was a student of the game um extremely methodic in the art of rebounding i mean he was he was a scientist when it came to rebounding so um i i love that the episode kind of did him some some gave him his due in that department as far as your, your other question about how how the pistons were portrayed obviously this documentary was going to portray the Pistons in a negative light because obviously this is this is the Chicago Bulls. So right. every story every story is slanted to the to the perspective of the storyteller, obviously. Yeah. So of course when you look at the, the Pistons thirty for thirty, that they were the heroes. Is, exactly. Or they're gonna or they're going it's going to be more favorable towards the Pistons. Obviously if you mm. have a and I'm sure if you do a eighties uh, Celtics 30 for 30, they're not going to have favorable things to say about the Celtics. And yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure the Lakers will do the same, of course. But, you know, I, for me, the Pistons were a little bit before my time, obviously, being 33. So, you know, when the Pistons were in their heyday, I was still, you know, I was still a pup, obviously. So I didn't get to watch the Pistons in real time mm-hmm. during that era. But obviously, being a student of the game, as I like to consider myself, I always went back and watched the documentaries, watched the old games. And um, I, I've always felt like, it's weird because Dennis Rodman in, in a lot of ways is, 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 you know, 
is kind of the, the the spirit animal of that team in a lot, in a lot of ways is that this mm-hmm. person that's perceived as something and the Pistons were physical they were tough borderline dirty but I think that that reputation kind of gets in the way of how great that team was I yeah. mean you got to think about it from 1987 to 1991 that team got to what four straight Eastern Conference championships yep. um, got the two straight or three straight finals you know if 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 Isaiah doesn't make the pass in 87, you can make the case that they get to three straight finals, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was truly a great team. I mean, a really, really, really outstanding team that I feel like sometimes gets left off the pantheons of great teams. Like when you discuss mm-hmm. NBA history, you know, you obviously talk about the, the Celtics in the sixties, you talk about, you know, you know, the, 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 the in the seventies, you talk about the Knicks and in you know, the eighties, yeah. you talk about the Celtics and the Lakers and, you know, even that Sixers team in 83, um, you know, you, you talk about all these great teams and, and for some reason, the Pistons never kind of get put in that light. And I think part of it is because obviously they played a style of play that was very controversial and it obviously isn't pretty. Um, yeah. But also because I think the perspective, the perception is that they were just kind of this dirty muck. It up. And they were that. But I think that that perception kind of gets in the way of how that team is is viewed historically. And that's a shame. because I, I think that when you actually kind of strip away all of the all of that BS um, I think that you will find a team that was that was really great um, with a guy and Isaiah who is one of the greatest to ever play the game so I think it's yeah. a shame that that team doesn't get a lot of the credit that they deserve yeah and what sticks out about what you said to me and what, what like makes what pops up in my head is that quote that Joe Dumars had in mm. the uh, 30 for 30 for the bad boys was that they had to win that second title or else they were yeah. just going to be looked at as a fluke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, f- a footnote, exactly, in, in history. And I think and there's that's still exactly some Laker what... fans, and there's still some Laker fans that to this day um, kind of devalue that first championship in 89 because obviously mm-hmm. when they got to the finals, you know, a lot of Laker fans will bring up the fact that, you know, um, they played the Pistons tough that year. Um, I think I believe they swept them in the regular season, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, the Lakers did, and obviously when they got to the finals, um, I think Worthy was hurt, and I believe Kareem was was injured, and Kareem was on his last legs anyway. Yeah. But um, but you know there were some injuries that really kind of derailed that Lakers team um, in '89. So there were a lot of folks that you know a lot of Laker fans to this day that. Yeah, but you know, magic is exactly. Yeah, yeah. so the, you know, you get the year but argument. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it was important for that team to win the second championship. But I also think that I also think that that team kind of doesn't get the credit it deserves. Is because it's kind of a transitional champion, you know. So I'm a big mm-hmm. wrestling fan. So so for the wrestling fans out there, they'll understand the term that I'm using. Um, transitional champions is is a is a is a term thrown around a lot in in the wrestling world where it's kind of this guy that's in between the guy that's the guy. You yeah. Know what I mean, so they're the transitional They're you know, so you, you got to think about it. This, the eighties were dominated by the Celtics and the Lakers, right. Mm-hmm. And the Pistons and they're, they're sort of that transitional team in the middle. That's the bridge between the eighties, between the bird and magic era in the NBA and the Michael Jordan Bulls yeah. era of the NBA. So the Pistons kind of get lumped in the middle there. They're that transitional champion that kind of gets forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, it's a, it's a shame because I think a lot of people, especially younger, um, the younger audience, people that didn't grow up with them or that were, you know, 
we're not old enough to experience that team. I think that if they haven't done their due diligence to research that team and research Isaiah Thomas and players that, that were on that team, I think a lot of them will realize that that's a hell of a team. You know, it's a hell of a champion, a hell of a, of, of a dynasty themselves that easily could have won three straight championships. Yeah, easily. And, you know, I liked, I, I do like overall, like I understand why the, the bad boys are, portrayed the way they are in this in this doc like you said it, it all gets back to this is mm-hmm. through the lens of mj and the bulls um and so right. the episode of the rodman episode ends with the bender which picks right bet which is where episode four picks right back up mm-hmm. and i thought that that was brilliant again i i just as a as a journalist as someone who you know studied journalism at michigan state for years and learned about just the expertise and the skill of crafting a story I thought it was absolutely excellent the way it's been executed so far because because essentially this whole Rodman vacation bender thing was uh, was Phil's idea or Phil's okay I guess um, <laughs> so yeah. it goes into again the philosophy the philosophy of Phil it comes back to him and so then they dive into the backstory of Phil which is a which is a guy who. Honestly, as as much as I am a student of the game, Phil Jackson is one of the is one of the few legends, the few kind of titans in the history of NBA basketball that I never really truly went back and studied his whole like his his childhood upbringing. Like I understand, I know all the stats about his mm-hmm. about his his NBA resume. Like I know all that stuff like the back of my hand. I understand the triangle offense. Like I understand all of the things that. You know, from a pure basketball standpoint, I I know about Phil Jackson, but it's the outside stuff I don't know. Like, I found the connection to the Native American thing very cool. I understood that he had um that he had this infatuation with psychedelics that I thought was nicely roped in, and but I didn't know about the I didn't know about the Puerto Rican co- uh, coaching start where he yeah, you know he was a, he was a head coach there. And I didn't know necessarily about Tex uh, about Tex Winter and how he was a role in the Triangle offense, and then how that got connected with Jerry Krause, and Jerry Krause observed it and was impressed by it, and that's how Phil got into his got into that coaching opportunity. I had always just been of the simple mind state of Jerry Krause liked phil jackson and now phil jackson's the head coach like i didn't understand the full backstory so for me this was an awesome episode and again it's all through the lens of the bad boys who had just beaten them the year before and now in 91 jordan ends up beating the pistons becoming champions i love that they also got into the walk-off uh where do you stand on really on the walk-off itself and Isaiah and I thought that was a great exchange between Isaiah and Michael in this documentary you know it's interesting I've always kind of felt like the walk-off has been is one of those things that's that's been blown up historically over time as just like this black eye and oh my god I can't believe that they did that and and this was a big story at the time and it's been something that has remained kind of this this black eye mark and and i and i feel like that's i feel like a lot of people hate the pistons because of what how they played and and they they were unabashedly like the bad boys or whatever and i feel like they wanted to hate the pistons anyway 
So this just gave people a lot of validation to say, well, see, they're a bunch of punks and, you know, they don't, you know, they, you know, they, they're nasty and they're a bunch of thugs and, and, and this and that. And I feel like a lot of that is also coded. Um, if you get my drift. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of that is, is also coded, um, because thugs, bad boys, all that. Right, right, right. Detroit. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know. It is yeah. what it is. We won't get into that because obviously that, that would be here for <laughs> we'd be here yeah. for for hours on end talking about that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I've always kind of felt like the walk off has always been kind of overrated historically. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I I'm I'm also a fan and a stickler of sportsmanship. I feel like a champion should behave with class, and I feel like you should mm-hmm. you know I feel like an opponent you know after a hard fought hard fought series, especially those two teams who battled for what three years, yeah. um, essentially. Um, should shake hands. Like, I, I think it is cool when you see rivals meet half court at the end of the games and shake hands or whatever. So yeah, d- d- if I was a fan back then, would I have wanted the Pistons to shake Jordan's hand and congratulate them and, and be, you know, you know, be, you know, you know, be graceful in defeat, obviously. Absolutely. But I, I think it's overblown. I think it's a big deal. I really do. Um, and, and I loved how they pointed it back to the Celtics that even the Celtics did the same thing to the Pistons yeah. um, in 88. <laughs> so Which, it's like, again, plays yeah. into the whole. And it's like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, again, what I wanted Isaiah and all of them to, um, to shake hands and, and be graceful in defeat. Absolutely. But I, but do I think it's this like stain in the history of the NBA? No. And also I, I here's the thing too. Like I, I get why it's a big deal because sometimes you can tell you, your true character comes out in moments of, of defeat in moments of, in, in, in struggles is where you can, you can judge the true character character and measure of a person. And a man, mm-hmm. right? It's easy to be graceful and and a good person when you're winning, but when yeah. you're but when you're dealing with setbacks, when you're dealing with defeat, when you're dealing with that pain of losing, you know that's where you that's where it says more about a champion or a person when you when you handle defeat, when you handle failure with grace and class. So I I, I do get it. I think mm-hmm. overall, though, I think it's been overblown, and I think it's been thirty years, and I think people need to let it go. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not the, it's not the brawl in, 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 in the palace. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not, uh, you know, it's not Tim Donnie. It's not some great, cons- you know, it's not this great stain or black eye on NBA history. It's a bunch of prideful athletes who walked off because they, in, in part, they didn't like the other team. And there was, yeah. and I think that that's another thing that we learned in this documentary is like these two teams did not like each other. And those players yeah. and those figures do not like each other to this day. Yeah. It's it's not a phony beef. It's real, right? Yeah, exactly. So these people didn't like each other. And on top of that, you know, hey, like it's in a heated competition. You mm-hmm. know, I did like that they went to Isaiah. And I think that Isaiah kind of realizes now that I think that I, I maybe because I think he's just tired of answering questions about it. I think that's part of yeah. it. But I think Isaiah, specifically Isaiah, I, I think he I think if he can go back and do it over again, I think Isaiah would do it over again. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's yeah. easy to say that, obviously, now thirty years removed. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's been a, it's been overblown historically. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And you know, I think that I think that the whole thing has not only been overblown, but I think again, it gets back into the the complication of uh, of of the coding thing when you've now seen in so many different documentaries, interviews, whatever. Bill and Beer said, 
my idea. Isaiah mm-hmm. said, Isaiah said, Bill Ambeer's idea. But it's always Isaiah. They always point to to him. Right. And I get it. And in part, the he's the leader. He's the, yeah. he's, the, he's you know, Bill Ambeer's Bill Ambeer, and Isaiah Thomas is Isaiah Thomas. So I, I get yeah. it that it's always gonna it's always gonna be pinned on the on the athlete on the superstar, good or yeah. bad, right? Exactly. So, so there's part of that, and then, and then the other part of it is like the Isaiah, the ducking of his head as he's mm-hmm. as he's kind of ducking behind Bill Ambeer. So that's another reason why it's kind and of. And I want to reiterate, like so it, it wasn't a great look. Like I yeah. don't think anybody. I think even Pistons fans, if I know you're one of, I know you're a Pistons fan, but I, I think diehard Pistons fans would even admit that, yeah, that probably yeah. wasn't a great look. But is it this thing that we need to keep harping about and keep talking about ad nauseum on every documentary <laughs> involving the Detroit Pistons of that era? No, it, it's no. it's it shouldn't. No, it it it's not, it, or it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, you know, that's what it comes down to. Really, is that again? It's a it's a thing that and honestly, even as a Piston fan, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I I was just gonna say, like, and honestly, the Pistons were that type of polarizing team. That again, I, I say, people just love to hate that team. They just yeah. they just that they're just that team that people love to hate. So nothing that that group of players could have done would have would have changed people's perspectives. Like they could have literally shaken everybody's hands in the entire Bulls organization walking mm-hmm. off the court, and people would have still hated that team. People yeah, they would have said they didn't shake their hand long enough. Right, or you know. look at them; they're making it about themselves instead of yeah. making you know about the Bulls. Or you know, it, it is what it is. Sometimes you're just in a no win situation. I get yeah. it, and you know, you just got to do what's instinctually good for you. Right. Yeah, or honestly, with all the hatred involved, I mean, how many? I mean, what's the chances that some of the Bulls players wouldn't even shake hands? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. there, there's that part of it too. Like, you know, right. um, so again, it's a, it's a thing that I think is you, you hit the nail on the head here again. Is that it's, it's embarrassing. Like, you know, but it, but it's something that we should all move past. Like, I don't, I, I think it's, I think it's like you said, it's a, it's an opportunity to knock the Pistons or that particular Pistons, the bad boys. Um, it's, it's for the people that root against them. That's what it's their thing to point to. It's their, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the phrase I'm looking for essentially, but you know, it's that, it's that moment that they can point to where they can say, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a narrative builder. It's, yeah. it's what it is. It's a narrative yeah. builder. So what happens is, see, this team was a you know a bunch of thugs, mm-hmm. and you know they were classless and they were dirty, and mm-hmm. see, see, they couldn't even shake their opponent's hands. See, that's what that yeah. you know. It's like whatever. And one thing, one thing though, I will say the one criticism I've had of this documentary so far is I think that although it has not been the full uncensored truth, um, it's been pretty damn close to it. And I feel it, and, and the documentary gives you that feeling of this is the most authentic way you're going to ever get this story, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that was my biggest worry coming into it is, are we gonna get like because it's still ESPN? Are we gonna get the PG thirteen version of this? Or are we gonna get the R rated version of it? Like, what are we gonna get out of mm-hmm. out of this? And mm-hmm. so so far, it's uh, it's seemed incredibly it seemed incredibly fair they've criticized Krauss, but they've shown that michael jordan and scotty and them were picking on him you know and and that at one point they loved him you know so it's been it, it's shown both sides of it the one time i feel like they didn't was this particular episode with phil because phil was one of the loudest vocally critical of the pistons mm-hmm. and i 
and you know it, it was just kind of looked at as yeah Phil didn't like him and Isaiah kind of mentioned it but it wasn't really expounded upon the the Phil side of it it was just again the Bulls hated the Pistons the Pistons were this were this right. villain and I don't think that they I to their credit I don't think that they bashed the Pistons too much in the sense that um, they really, really villainized them. They just stated, hey, they were looked at as villains. They didn't necessarily say, hey, these guys are villains, you know. So I think there was a slight difference there. That was, that was, a, that was a good thing or a fair thing, I should say. But um, I, I thought they should have got into Phil a little bit more and his beef with the Pistons. No, great point. Absolutely, especially since, especially that episode that focused on Phil heavily. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a good that's a good um, that's a good insight into that. Um, you were you were bringing up the criticisms of the documentary. I, I think for me, one thing I'll disagree with you is I, I don't think they've been particularly fair. I do think that Kraus has been labeled the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not a Jerry Kraus defender. I know that Jerry Kraus has had his many faults, and he should take some blame. But I think it was I think it was a little too much in the first episode. I think it was a lot. I think it was I think it was overdone in that first episode yeah. because you know. And part of me is also like the guy's dead. He doesn't have a chance mm-hmm. to defend himself. You know, it's easy to it's easy again. Perspective is everything. So from the opposite perspective, it's easy to point out. Yeah, Kraus was this and Kraus was that and Kraus was this and Kraus was that and Kraus wanted to do this and can you believe Kraus wanted to do that? You know. But the guy mm-hmm. doesn't have an opportunity to retort. He doesn't have an opportunity to defend himself. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe in you know, if he was still alive, you know, in twenty twenty, maybe he would have looked at things a little differently. I know that Jay Williams has come out on record and Tim Floyd have come out on record saying that, you know, they've had they had a relationship with Kraus and 